0: Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the no BS marketing podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the
1: up. Whether I'm Yeti, or I'm Bombas, or I'm Purdue, I want to rouse you and I want to attract you to have an incredible admiration for what I do and join us, right? Have demand, make a choice based on us. And so all of our storytelling now is, is singly pointed at this idea of, can we enchant target audiences to feel something, to take an action, to have different attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors about the place? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to
0: another episode of the Marketing Millennials. Today, I have Ethan on the pod. He ran marketing for one of the most recognized universities, Purdue. Um, He could talk about it. He was the chief marketing and communications officer there. And now he's going to take a new job at Texas A&M and do the same thing he did at Purdue. But we're going to talk about brand today. Ethan, welcome to the
1: podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. First of all, I want to ask you, how did you get into marketing? In grad school, quite frankly, I was doing my MBA at Notre Dame and have always found brands and the influence and choice really interesting. And so when sort of specializing that study and thinking about what I wanted to do after school, marketing really rose to the top. I also want to go into, cause university is a crowded space. Like everybody,
0: there's so many universities in the US. There's a lot of that have good academic names, but not like, not because they do great marketing, it's just because they do have great could, could academics. How, do how does a brand stand out in a crowded
1: market like a
0: university market?
1: We talk a lot about, and, and let me take a step back when I say that, you're right. It's a crowded, commoditized, complicated market right now. There's four to 5,000 universities in the United States that are granting degrees. There's 49 universities in the state of Indiana alone where I live that grant a teaching degree. So you're a high school senior on the north side of Indianapolis and you want to be a teacher when you graduate from college. You have 49 choices today as to where and go get that. So how do I delineate between Ball State, Notre Dame, Purdue, Indiana University, DePauw, Wabash, Ivy Tech, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so we always talk about the the three components of that are, you know, who are you, what do you stand for, and why should people get crazy or excited about that? And so, so many times, and I, I told you this a second ago. When we we're talking before the call, you know, I, I don't know the difference between Indiana State and Illinois State University, other than the lineage and heritage of the great Larry Bird having come from Indiana State. So the, to me, those two are commodities, right? They they don't occupy a unique space in my head. And so for the universities that do, oftentimes there's there's history, right? There's family, but oftentimes it's you know you you know marketing's perception, right? And it's in the it's in the heart and the minds of the customer. So, somewhere along the way, an impression was created that says Purdue University is where I want to go because of XYZ. It's been positioned and it's got the equity with individuals that creates choice. And so, again, as you look at the landscape, whether it's UCLA or it's Texas or it's Harvard or it's Reed College in Portland, you know, who are they? What personified, who are they? What do they feel like? What do they look like? How do they speak? How do they answer questions? What do they stand for? And some schools can answer that question and many cannot. And does that matter, right? Can a customer, can an audience, can a family get really excited about that and choose by enrolling or going to work there or buying season tickets or donating or research, you know, partnering on research, et cetera. Those are all the constituents we think about. At the end of the day, who who are you? What do you stand for? And does that matter? Does the audience get excited about what you are?
0: I want to go into, so where you were, when you got to Purdue University, what 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 was Purdue standing for? What who were they? And like what are the things you did to make them become say top 10 on Fast Company and get all these awards? Like how did the, you transform
1: just like a university brand into that? So there's the marketing component of it, there's the brand component of it, there's the storytelling component of it. So I can talk to that as, as briefly as possible. But you know, when I got there in 18, the chairman of the board, our president. And my predecessor, um, who brought me there to essentially succeed him over time, had said, hey, we've got a good brand worldwide. Purdue University is known. Um, It's got perceptions over 150 years. It's got 600,000 alumni. But in particular, the university's marketing underneath it, the engine underneath it, is not what it needs to be. We're not telling clear stories. We're, We're creating cognitive strain with audiences that have multiple touch points. We're confusing them, we're underwhelming, and we're not proud of it. And so come and build us a world-class marketing engine that does justice and is commensurate to the words Purdue University in the minds of many. And so for instance, when I got there, there were 55 individuals on the team. There's 20 of those remaining today, and we're now a team of 100. We've doubled the budget. To your point, we've won now in four of the six categories that, that Fast Company awards annually. So we're a brand that matters. Three years in a row now, the only university on the list. We were just named the number 16 most innovative company in the world in front of Disney and NASA for Fast Company. And we've also been with them on um, their world-changing ideas and their next big things in tech. And so we've gotten our brand out there. We've gotten our story out there in a compelling way that you know they continue to tell us it matters. But for us, it was deeply studying it. I love this quote that says, you know, the, the, the way that a brand can uh, execute externally is dependent on how well it knows itself internally. And so the first year that I was there, it was really about how do you get to the core essence? How do you get to the common thread of really what does Purdue University stand for? What does it mean? And what ties an alumnus, you know, from 1950 to an alumnus today together? Is there a common thread? Do they stand for similar things? Do they have similar attributes or characteristics, et cetera? And so we deeply studied that. And so to answer your question, you know, over time, you know, we wanted to find a very ownable space that Purdue University could stand for, that was meaningful, and that would create choice. And it comes down to three words for us. It's an essence of persistent innovation together. you got the persistency of the Boilermaker, right? These teams that you watch on TV last night or watch them tonight, where the team name on the front means a hell of a lot more than the individual name on the back. They're gritty. They're hustlers, right? Uh, not necessarily pretty, you know. I think of Carhartt. I don't think of necessarily diesel. Then you got innovation. Um, Purdue University is the university that's put the most alumni in space, other than the service academies, with 27, including Neil Armstrong. So it's the innovation that's solving cancer, that's putting folks into space, that's creating smart concrete, et cetera. And then lastly, as we studied it, we heard from a lot of constituents that this is a place of collaboration, not competition. They would tell us, "Hey, the the ethos here." is me and my classmates against the professor, actually no, me and my classmates and the professor against the material. It's like running a marathon trying to beat your time versus the competitiveness of some places where it's a sprint trying to beat the person next to you. So our stories, our essence, our marketing, anything that goes out in the world, what we really gut check it against is this idea of, does it hit the essence of persistent innovation together? And who else can say that? Many can say one or two, else can say three we believe we've got the market cornered on the three legs of that stool just from an outside perspective
0: i don't know how good their marketing teams is but like most university marketing is very boring i mean in the sense that they're not really present on social they just take pictures of like what's happening on campus with kind of like stock photo-y like vibes i mean I started actually seeing Purdue because of um, you guys had a. And correct me if I'm wrong, but there was like divers that went to the Olympics, and then they, there was a lot of divers. So I started seeing it because through the journey of like the divers, and I'm like, oh, I didn't even know they had like an expert, like they had one of the best diving teams in the in the nation. But it, it's just as cool, like you capitalized on like like the personas in the university too, is that are doing like cool things, like you said, Neil Armstrong and stuff like that. So what are some innovative things that you did? differently than most universities do.
1: I talk about that journey a lot of, you know, Purdue was, and, and many higher ed institutions come from a history of like newspaper writers. It's about reporting. It's about the facts, right? It's sterile. It's bland. It lacks emotion. It really lacks a lot of the, the discipline or the fundamentals of great marketing. The next step in that journey was marketing. It was let's let's tell the world things. And oftentimes, we've got 13 colleges. We've got 50,000 students on campus, right? If 13 colleges are telling a different story to the world, and usually those are common audiences that are looking at us, they're getting a very confusing experience. We're causing them cognitive strain or we're causing them to expend intellectual calories to figure us out. It's not a symphony. It's a bunch of people whistling on their own. The next stage for us was then, well, then how do we get into great branding? How do we really understand our brand? How do we get understand our essence, our identity, our persona? And can we get the 500 marketers, for instance, on campus, no matter where they are, to tell a harmonious story? Adam Grant has a great quote where he says, worry less about being on brand and worry more about getting in character. What we've tried to do this campus is say, if Purdue is the tip of the spear, how do we get you all in character to market Purdue University in a way that it feels harmonious, just as Southwest does with Freedom, for instance? And then the next step for us, which we get to to your point there, where I think it's different, is we said, then the heart of that is great storytelling. And that's where we've invested really since COVID, particularly in video. So two years ago on YouTube, Purdue content garnered 2 million views on YouTube, which was a stark difference from the years before. It was still also more than five of the universities that we benchmark combined. But last year, with an incredibly successful institutional spot. We took it to 55 million views on YouTube with an 82% view rate of our most popular spot. Our most popular spot is the institutional video. Everybody's got one. Oftentimes they're smiling students and beakers and people walking through the quad. And if I change the name on each and every one of them, they would fit. They're a commodity, they're vanilla. We instead told the story of our portfolio through the eyes of a young girl And her dad imagining what her experience would be if she went to Purdue. It's called What Can You Imagine at Purdue? And right now, it's been on the market for a year. And on YouTube, it's got 29 million views and an 82% view rate. So that unique storytelling, that captive, emotive, insightful, consistent with our essence storytelling is where we've put all the chips in the last couple of years. And that's creating a lot of pride, I think, with our, our insiders. And it's creating a lot of intrigue with those that are looking on from the outside. A lot of people don't think of,
0: like, university when you you say, like, great marketing. They just think because it's just, like, their logo, they're, like, cool. Like, they do have great marketing. A lot of them do have great marketing. But you don't, like, when you think you're, like, what are the best companies out there, you don't really think university. Um, One thing that I also am impressed about, like, your team or Purdue is, like, you have a lot of, like, people on your team who are, like, active on social, like, Attend events like they're trying to be better marketers. I don't really see like when I, I'm a B2B marketer, I go to a lot of like B2B. I don't really see many people who say that I'm like work for university, like I'm trying to get better. You just see more people. So, how did you like foster that like internal brand
1: as well that to, like to have these people have people like that? A couple components of the answer for me are one coming from Eli Lilly and company where. There were tremendous marketers. There was tremendous marketing training. There was a lot of iron on iron sharpening the quality of our marketing. There was a common language. There was a common definition for insights. There was a common definition for a brand plan, et cetera. The acumen, I think, for part marketing was really high. And so having lived that for 10 years, that's what I brought to Purdue. When I got to Purdue, there was a predecessor, a dear friend and mentor of mine who actually brought me to Lilly 10 years before that. That when I arrived, he said, Purdue University right now is a place where great marketers go to stagnate. And that was because there weren't a lot of us, right? When I joined that staff, I was the only marketing degree on it. So it's all about, I think, the Daniel Pink definition of engagement, right, is purpose, mastery, and autonomy. If we go out and recruit folks that have, to your point, not only an understanding of the mission of Purdue, but they're actually on a mission. To tell the captive and incredible stories of the place, because largely they're alumni, then we check that Purdue box, that purpose box, really, really well. If we treat them in a way and we build a culture in which they have the autonomy to do their job, to do their craft, to spread their wings, to fail at times, um, to take some risk, then we check that box. But the one you're speaking of is the mastery, and I think you know the people we go out and recruit now, who largely come to us from industry or other places want to become better marketers. They want to build that muscle. They have big aspirations. They read, they listen to your podcast, they're listening to others. We're reading Jim Collins, we're reading Seth Godin, et cetera, Mm -hmm. and so that iron on iron sort of environment creates the mastery, but that's intrinsic, right? You got to recruit the right people that want to grow. If they want to be stagnant, if they want to have a stagnant mindset, they're not going to become great marketers, especially in such a dynamic environment that is marketing. And so to your point, lastly, you know, we've had a history of sending people to conferences, right? We had one last week, we sent 25 of our team to it. And we're kind of the outliers there. We're kind of the odd show, but it's like, hey, if there's great opportunity to either network, team build, or learn, send them. It's a small cost for their professional development. So we have a a very hungry group that wants to become great marketers and they don't want to benchmark themselves against higher ed, right? They want to benchmark themselves against Burger King sonos yeti ford mcdonald's they want fernando machado and others those kind of people to take note not just be the tallest you know in the university environment of marketing which isn't always that great yeah it's crazy because i i just
0: remember i think i met one at south by southwest those on your team i think i met someone like and it might have been inbound from your team and i think i've met just, I've, they're all over twitter so i think i've seen like hit your team everywhere which is which is like some companies i see that but i don't really see that from like university so it's just cool to see that you're having a thriving team the other point i want to make is and i want to get your opinion in it because the one thing that's cool about a university is like out of any place in the world like the united states has like the best like camaraderie towards like being part of a university like wearing the colors like repping their brand like i'm from purdue or i'm from this how did you use personalities to like grow the brand with like first of all like the cool alumni you you have the in the people who are like the, those divers the players there, there the amazing students and like the cool faculty how did you like manage like all these like persons since we're in this like personality creator economy now like how did you
1: get the voice out of all the
0: different cool people.
1: On, at the UK. So I, I want to highlight a word that has really been our rally cry for the last couple of years. So we have a marketing plan and we use the V2 mom from Salesforce to guide our efforts, you know, in that regard. And it's, you know, vision, virtues, and then it's meth- methods, obstacles, measurements, right? One of our virtues, when I was, actually, excuse me, when I was compartmentalizing our methods, I wanted a acronym that would fit for Purdue and our our pseudo mascot at Purdue University is Purdue Pete, so I wanted something to fit P E T E, and I needed a second E, and I found this wonderful word. And when I when I unveiled it on the team, they laughed and scoffed and said, "You know, are you are you a Disney princess, Ethan?" But but the word is to enchant, and I said, "But hold on, stay with me on this, right? When we market, when we put a, a TV commercial out there during the IU Purdue game or the Macy's Day Parade, which we'll have you know soon, what's the feeling we want to emote?" and the word enchant, when I found the definition, said to rouse and attract an ecstatic admiration and demand for. To rouse and attract an ecstatic admiration and demand for. Isn't that what we're in the business of, right? Whether I'm Yeti or I'm Bombas or I'm Purdue, I want to rouse you and I want to attract you to have an incredible admiration for what I do and join us, right? Have demand, make a choice based on us. And so all of our storytelling now is, is singly pointed at this idea of can we enchant target audiences to feel something, to take an action, to have different attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors about the place. And so one, you know, we need to know those stories. We've got experts now. And if you call us and say, hey, I need information on, or I need a lay definition relative to the baby formula shortage or to inflation or to wildfires or to COVID, right? We've got those experts, but we've also got interesting people that are teaching wonderfully interesting things. We've got interesting alumni out in the world, whether it's Heather Penny, the fighter pilot, female fighter pilot that was launched into the air on September 11th to actually take out the plane that was going to you know, head to, at that point in time, Washington that, that you know fatally crashed in Pennsylvania. She was on a death mission. She was on a mission to go crash her plane into it to save the world. I mean, this is Armageddon. This is Independence Day, right? Seeing and hearing and getting those sorts of stories those sorts of alumni to tell their story and have, and tell them well is what we want to then share with those 600,000 alums and people that have no connection to Purdue whatsoever, right? Our podcast is booming and it's not just because the alums listen to it. We've got interesting stories there. So you have to know them and, and there has to be then an excellence and expertise, I think, to tell them incredibly well. But, you know, we would love to have a McConaughey like Texas or a Will Ferrell like USC and we, haven't, we don't have a whole lot of those, right? Orville Redenbacher isn't doing it for us. You have a Drew Breeze, so that's good. We've got Drew Breeze, and everyone wants their piece of Drew. But we got a really interesting stories also about boilermakers that are tackling the world's toughest challenges. And if we tell that story well, people seem to be enchanted. The whole goal of marketing in the
0: other day is like is to get someone's attention and then figure out what what you want to do with that attention, whether it's enchant, whatever, whatever. But enchant's a good good way to put it i wanted to like flip a little bit because i know you're gonna go you did great stuff at purdue and i bet they're gonna still do great st- stuff there um but you're coming to texas a&m to run the be the cmo there and texas a&m i don't think texas a&m r- r- is really on the map till they like went to the sec and johnny manziel and all that stuff like I, I think like people knew of texas a&m but like UT was always like the school here, like TCU. But now they're on the map. What are some things you're thinking about doing there that are like the same as you did at Purdue, but also like different because it's kind of like a different market, different, different school, different environment?
1: Yeah, I think what's so attractive, and to your point, some people have described it to me as a sleeping giant or it's, you know, Purdue in Texas or Purdue on Texas steroids, right? It's got an avid- Base of fans and former students. It's got a tremendous reputation in that land grant environment, right? Of an engineering school, ag school, space education, et cetera. It's got tons of resources. So, right, it's the seventh largest endowment of all universities. It's the number one or the biggest endowment of the public universities in the United States. So, it's bigger than Michigan. When I cite that seven number, it's bigger than Notre Dame, right? Eighteen billion dollar endowment. So, they've got the resources to really matter. And so similarly, as we've done in Purdue, is I, you know, I don't want to just be known as great in the state of Texas, and now they are the, the top-ranked public in the state of Texas, which I think they're pretty proud of. But I want the nation, I want the world to know Texas A&M and what it stands for and why they should be really proud or crazy about it. And so amplifying that story, telling that story in an emotive, and emotional, insightful way, and getting it out there in a way that has recognition across the coasts, et cetera, is the challenge. I want what we did at Purdue was now the alumnus or the board chair, for instance, can walk around Indianapolis with his chest out in a very different way than he could five years ago of all the ways that hopefully somewhat hum- humbly Purdue is kicking ass and kicking ass relative to our peers down the street at IU. I don't want just the folks walking around College Station or Houston to realize what a great place Texas AM is. I want to walk around DC or Silicon Valley or New York or Shanghai or Seoul and that Texas AM name be known and matter. And so that proliferation of that great story is what we're gonna aim at. They have one thing that I think
0: like in college football that like not many people have like the 12th man, which is I think the one of the coolest things in college football is like the community is like the the 12th person on the field, which could be, like, a story that's, like, look how many twelfth men we have, like, around the country. Like, it's, like, it's cool. They have one of the best, like, storytellings in that, and it's a cool university. It's cool that you're doing with, like, Texas A&M and Purdue, but what are some of, like, your – if I was, like, getting into, like, branding today, what are, like, the one or two things that you would tell – me um, to become like a better brand marketer or marketer in general?
1: The two things that come to mind are, are one, the combination, I suppose, of just deep curiosity and empathy. None of this marketing is about me, it's all about the audience. And that's why we quant and qual test so many things, right? My wife might see a commercial on TV and say, really, that's a dumb commercial. I'll say, yeah, but you're not a patient with diabetes, right? That, that ad was not for you, as Seth Godin often says. And so, I think deeply understanding our target audiences, right? It's never about everyone. It's never about anyone. It's always about someone. So, how deeply do I know the target that we're talking about? And what are their frustrations, their tensions, their aspirations, their motivations, their deep hidden secrets, right? What are those unmet needs? What do they aspire to be in the identity that they desire to have? And so, how deeply do you know patients with diabetes? Or how d- deeply do you know students that are planning to go to college? Um, how deeply do you know Generation Z, you know Gen Z or Gen A at this point? So, so I think this curiosity empathy piece has to be a piece of a great marketer if they're ever going to satisfy audiences and delight them and enchant them. And then I think the other one is just being a lifelong learner, right? Like there's so much of this that we can pick up by following you or others on Twitter. You know, read the book, Certainly, let's get Daniel Pink, let's get Adam Grant, let's get Seth Godin. Let's get so many of them. Let's get Dave Gerhart up in, in New Hampshire now or wherever he is after his time at, at Privy, et cetera. But so much of it, I, I learned you know, following you and Ross Simmons and others on Twitter and it's so morselized, right? There's so many morsels or atomized components of great marketing that if I'm a consumer of it constantly, if I'm a lifelong learner of it, I can get better each and every day, frankly, for free with podcasts and Twitter and, and online. So the blogs, et cetera. So I think that that combination of curiosity and empathy. I really want to understand who I'm serving, and then I want to be a really good, disciplined, frameworked, excited marketer that's progressive in my approach, since it's always changing. And the way to do that is to be a great learner and consumer of the great. And these days, you can do that really cheaply.
0: It's kind of funny because like you're in like like university, but like like there's a lot of information there that's like. Very cheap, easy to learn, and then there's also like university. I and mean, I think you need, I think people need both ways. Like I think I honestly believe that some people learn way better in a university environment, and some people don't learn better in a university environment. And some people just aren't told the right path to go in the university. Like I think, like if I would have done university again, I probably would have done like been a psychology or a sociology major because I knew it would be better for But nobody tells you like hey, like, they're like, oh, the, the way they frame it. But I think I'm a better learner by doing and figuring out things. But university taught me more of, like, how to be social, how to network, how to be a team with playing football, like, all these things that you can't really, that are invaluable in university. But I, one other question I have for you before, I have the question that I ask everybody is, in universities, there's a lot of, like, players involved meaning like if like the ad does something r- wrong and like affects like the marking of the business of like someone in the like how do you manage like all like the players or like the meaning like the different like voices that could affect your brain because like for example i play football universe cincy like right now like i bet you the ad is getting like not from a lot of alumni because they hired a coach that isn't that Good and the team just like slumped, and now like like alumni are getting mad. And it's like, how do you handle things like that when you run
1: them, running a marketing for a university? There's so many players to your point, there's so many audiences, you know, that we're thinking about as well. I remember my, I referred to him several times. But my predecessor, Dan Hassler, used to say, like, there were two or three people that could officially speak for Eli Lilly and Company before a lawyer would come see them. University at Purdue or any campus, like you know, any student, any faculty member, any dean really, any administrator can be on Twitter saying whatever the hell they want about the place. And if you have a commitment to free speech, that's their prerogative. And so, there are thousands of people that could be shaping the identity of the institution based on what they're saying and who follows them. And then you get to the actions to your point, whether it's a head coach, or it's an AD, or it's a faculty member, or it's the president, or it's a certain alumnus that's doing certain things, those are those are manipulating and they are shaping the identity of a university all the time. So I, I think, again, we go back to this idea of how well can we create a community of those that are speaking on our behalf that really get Purdue and really get what we're trying to achieve? Can we get them in character? Can we give them the resources and the guidance that when they do speak to the world, it's harmonious, right? I think um, if I flip it, I always talk about this dear friend of ours who does market research now for us, who was with me at Lilly. His name's Dave Moore. But Dave's a Purdue grad. He's a Purdue dad. He was in a fraternity. He's a seasoned ticket holder. He advises our foundry of our entrepreneurs, et cetera. Like think about his physical mailbox, right? And all the shit that's coming in there on a daily basis. And when he goes and checks the mail and all of us have sent him something, does he look, you know, spread it out and say, boy, these guys talk. You know, this feels very unified from Disney cruises to Disney stores to Disney parks, or does it feel like a mess, right? As a blind dog in a meat house based on all of them wanting to tell him they're independent things that really aren't in the Purdue character. So we try to think about Dave a lot too, to say, when we speak to Dave, does he hear a unified message from all those players or not? The other thing I'd say though, as well is you know sometimes marketing can't save the world. And so I think a lot about strategy and then communication strategy. Oftentimes people will call us and say, what do we do about this? And you say, Hell, hold on, what's the strategy? And then I'll talk to you about the communication strategy. But if you're expecting for marketing to make up for, you know, the bad comments of a president or the bad actions of an AD or a head coach, right? We're downstream. We can only do what we can do at that point. Let's talk about what has to be done upstream, potentially, to prevent that. And so we try to be good in crisis and those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, I remind our staff, they can only control what they can control. And oftentimes they're shoveling up the poop, right? That's come out of the horse. They they that That's what they've been left to do. They can't fix what said AD hired or said or did. So let's make the most of the situation. Yeah,
0: I like the point you made of like, if you rally people with the same message beforehand and they're like this community that is always will back Purdue, like, and hard times and good times and like those are like the best universities too is like and the best fans are the ones that are like we'll say i mean like cleveland brown fans are like stuff like that where like the team could be oh and 16 in the stadium could be full that's like the type like even if they're bad they're still going to be raving fans and i think like, it's because it's created a community it's like a bonding thing it's like a day where cleveland comes together
1: it's a part of the identity, right? We talk about that a lot. I love that Seth Godin quote where he says like, if you want to get across town the fastest, you know, get a Suzuki, but nobody gets a Suzuki tattoo, right? But hordes of people get Harley tattoos. So we talk a lot about creating a brand that's tattoo worthy. And Cincinnati or Purdue or Texas A&M are, are very tattoo worthy, but there's plenty of brands out there that no one, and, and might you might argue, are they even a brand? No one's going to get that tattoo. So how do we create a community, an identity, a connection, that's so strong that weathers the test of time that I'd put that ink on my back. What is a marketing hill you would die on? I think it's Kotler who said that you can learn marketing in a day, but it'll take a lifetime to perfect. Everyone's a marketer, right? Everyone knows how to make my website better. Everyone knows the next actor that should be in our commercial. Everyone knows the tagline or the logo that should be changed, et cetera. Everyone's a marketer, right? They've all got an opinion. And I think it is because it is practical and it does have a common sense component to it. But there is an art and science of it. And there is an expertise. There are fundamentals. There are frameworks. There are disciplines of marketing that create great marketing. So I I do believe in the art and the science. I do believe in the trade. And so I, I do believe that train marketers, you know, those that are avid about their learning over time are very different than the armchair quarterback or marketer that's sitting there saying that was a dumb ad, or you should change the color, or this should be your tagline. So I, uh, I'll die on the fact that it's, um, you can learn it in a day and it will make sense, but it'll take you a lifetime to get really good at.
0: A lot of great marketing goes unseen because that is great marketing. Like bad marketing gets seen and like bad sales get seen. And that's why people have a stigma against marketers or they have a stigma against salespeople because the bad is seen. But like the good salespeople are like building relationships and you would never know it's sales. Like the good marketers are putting out like ads that are like telling stories, making you feel something like that. And you just don't feel like it's an ad. And it's hard because you have the balance. Like, there are going to be bad marketing that's going to deteriorate like the reputation of a marketer. But it's still like, if you are going unseen and bringing revenue or raving fans in the door, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Um, but it is a hard profession that nobody. Just because everybody sees marketing every day, they think they know marketing. Everybody has social media now, so they know they think they know social media. It's just because they have access to it where. A lot of people don't because they
1: see it every day. They think they know it. Um, the two things that makes me think of are one, that that adage that says, right, good marketing makes the company look smart and great marketing makes the consumer look smart or feel smart, right? That's the sort of unknown or the underlying piece of like, wow, that was wildly effective. But the other one I use oftentimes is the John Hamm or the Don Draper where he says, you came to us because we're better at this than you are. So let our creatives be unproductive until they are productive. I love that idea of like, you came to us for great ideas or great insights or great execution or great creative. And it's coming. So let our people do their work and run their play. And when they do, hopefully it will delight and enchant because they know what they're doing. And so we try to hold to that too. I always think too, is like
0: green marking. If you think about like the stock market, you can pick stocks that are like relatively you think they're going to do well, but it's hard to pick those like ones that are going to be amazing moonshots and stuff like that so you could do boring marketing that will help you grow maybe not stand out maybe in the in 10 years it will burn out or you could be the ones that are like doing those things that are boring which work bread and butter and things and then you could do things that are like out there testing stuff and that's why marketing is hard because it's like you can't predict that. A thousand consumers are going to buy from something or like love that ad, but you can have at least insight and data to think that they might, or like intuition because you've been doing it for so long. And that's what you can teach
1: is that experience and intuition. You know, marketing's supposed to be fun. We work long and hard, right? So that should be fun. When I go to work, we we should apply our hours to something we're really proud of. So I was just at Ad Week a couple weeks ago, and I spoke right before the creative director for Liquid Death Water. Right, like those guys are having a blast. They're irreverent. They said that we're for people that drink water and have a sense of humor. They're trying stuff. They're having a they're having a blast, right? And they're making a huge difference with a commodity that is that is water, but they've got a social purpose as well. So I never want to work on a dog of a brand, right? I always want to work with something that has enough clay to mold something really, really beautiful as a brand, and that's where the fun stuff happens. Well, so
0: that was well said, and I'll let you end it with where could people find you and what you're doing and. Like you can see your journey at Texas A&M or what you did at Purdue.
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's not about me. So if you want to go see the good stuff that we've done at, at Purdue in particular, it's marcom.purdue.edu. And if you want to see the phenomenal stories and, and podcasts, etc., cetera, it's stories.purdue.edu. But you can find me on Twitter and you can find me on LinkedIn a lot. Easy to find our Ethan Braden, Robert Ethan Braden.
0: Oh, amazing. Well, thank you so much. It's been a great talk. You're one of the ones, like, I never, like, thought I would, like, talk to someone who ran marketing for university because I just think, like, when I was applying even for jobs, like, it just looks like, it always looked, from an outside perspective, I know there's great brands and stuff and, like, sports teams do cool things and all the stuff, like, the Nike, the organs and stuff like that, but it's just, and then you never, like, you never, like, think about the marketers behind a, a university, which is cool to talk and chat about it, so. Thank you so much.
1: No, I really appreciate it. Thanks for the chance to come talk to you. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week
0: to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.